you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org. And now, a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Father, I bless you. I bless your word. I thank you, Lord, for the privilege of standing up here and releasing uh, your word that's anointed by you. Uh, I thank you, Father, that uh, the anointing is not dependent upon me, my studies, or my preparation. Father, it is simply a gift from Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, once again, I ask you to anoint my lips as I speak your word. I ask your anointing to be upon every one of us, Lord, that we literally will come to the house of God with an ear to hear and a heart to receive the fullness of your word. I give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said Amen. All right, so today we're starting a new series titled Why Church? Uh, this is uh, about a nine-week series that we're going to do in three weeks, and uh, Pastor Ron will be preaching next weekend, and I'll preach the third one uh, uh, three weeks from today, and two weeks from today. And so uh, in this uh, particular series, we're going to try to deal with uh, six things, and they are these uh, in no particular order except the first one, which is what I'm going to preach this morning, and that is titled, Why Church? We're going to look at church, um, whose idea was church, where did it come from, why is it important, what do we need to know about church uh, we're going to touch on, uh, I'm going to give you five or six things today, hopefully that you're going to take home and chew on and really kind of come to grip with uh, uh, what the plan of God was always for his church. Secondly, uh, who is the church and, um, uh, you know, what is, uh, what's it take to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ? Number three is we're going to look at what is the purpose of of the church? Uh, is there a reason that we gather? Is there a reason that we come together? Or do we just have a religious uh, responsibility that we need to check our box with every week? Is there a greater plan than that? Number four, why is church important? What is the importance of our gathering? What is the, what's the big picture? What's the, what's the big deal? Number five, I love this one because I've actually been asked this before, uh, not only here in America, um, <coughs> excuse me, but I was I was actually asked this in Cuba two weeks ago from someone who came to a pastor's conference, asked me this question. So I just threw this in. We're going to kind of touch on this. Number five, can you love God and not have to go to church? Because what they're saying is, I don't like nobody. I don't like people. And uh, can it just be me and God? Well, we're going to look at scripture and find out, can it just be you and God? Um, and I, and, and I trust that in, in what you hear and what you study for yourself, the scriptures we give you will help you to come to grip with. The bottom line is this. If you don't like people, God still needs to heal you. Amen. And, and you know what? You can't ever get healed out there just on an island, you and God. You're never going to get healed. Matter of fact, you're never even going to know how messed up you are. <laughs> Until you get around some of God's people. We're going to deal with that. Uh, I was actually asked the question in Cuba, can I just pay my tithe and not have to go to church? You know, just can I buy my way to heaven? That's, that's what the question is asking. And then number six, uh, when is church? 
when is church, where is church, and uh, what part do I play in that? So we're going to jump into today's message, and I'm going to try to work a miracle. I actually uh, saw a miracle in the first service. I have nine pages of notes, and uh, I actually got through every one and every scripture in the first service. So you want to strap in, and uh, the speed might increase here uh, in just a moment. So this morning, we're talking about why church, and I'm going to give you five things that the Word of God has to say about church. I'm going to give you about 10 scriptures, uh, but all of these are kind of a feeder into my, my heart's desire is that every one of you will have such a hunger to really find out what church is all about that, that you'll actually, on top of what Pastor Ron and I are going to preach over the next three weeks, you're going to actually get a hunger to go and start doing your own word search, your own Bible search, uh, your, your, own, your own study time to find out, is church more than what I was raised in? I mean, I was raised in a very religious setting, very religious church where we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Uh, two-week revival every year. You did not miss any. Uh, you only, it, the, the whole mom, I got a cold or my nose is running. It didn't fit when I was, my generation, how many of y'all were raised in my generation? You went to church, didn't you? I mean, they had a six section over there where you just, you didn't touch anybody or blow on anybody. But the idea that a, a family of eight would stay home because one person in the family sick, just, it didn't fly back then. You just, you just went to church. If you were tired, you went to church, slept under the pew. You know, as long as you weren't snoring, waking anybody up, you were going to be in church. They believed back then that just even sleeping in front of Jesus, you would get something. And I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, we didn't miss church. And, and you never miss more than two weeks max. Of course, when I was growing up, everybody was poor. At least everybody in my town was poor. So nobody went off on four-week vacations and, or three four-week vacations a year. Nobody had mountain chalets to go to or beach houses or, or an airplane. And, you know, they just, we, we didn't just miss church all the time. Matter of fact, it was a rarity to miss the house of God. And, and, and I, I want to I I both set you free and, and give you some foundational the, um, word that you understand. The, the amount of going to church, if your heart's not right, it's never going to change anything anyhow. All right? You can, you can hit 51 out of 52 weeks every year. You know, hit every special thing, do everything. But if your heart's never really surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're just trying to work your way to heaven. And you can only get to heaven one way. By faith. Through the Lordship of Jesus Christ, his grace touches your heart. Your heart recognizes that you need a Savior. You recognize you can't save yourself. You realize Jesus died on the cross to pay a price for you that he did not owe. You owed a price that you could not pay. You would never have enough money. You could never work it off. You could never do enough penance. You simply come to God through his Son by faith. Come on, at least more than three of y'all got to say amen to that. The rest of y'all agree with that or y'all out there trying to work your way to heaven? There's only one way. It's by faith. And by faith, man, by faith, your life is brought right side up. Your, your, your life finds purpose. Your, fi your life finds meaning. Your, your life finds the ability to fight the good fight. Your, your, your faith produces in you the ability to go when all hell's coming against you, man. You know that God is for you and that no matter what he's throwing against you, greater is he that is in you than he that is against you. Can you say amen to that? 
So uh, we're going to look at these five things that the Word says about church. Number one, I love this one. My wife gave it to me. I actually had to go and make sure there was some scripture to go with it before I brought it to you. But, but it is a good one. Number one is uh, church was God's idea. You ought to write that down. If you don't, go to Version and download it in your stuff so you can read on this later. But church was God's idea. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 uh, says this. And I tell you, you are pe- let, let, let me just backtrack here a second. You know in this passage of scripture, Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is walking with the disciples like he often did from town to town, from, from uh, you know, one place of, of a picnic to another place where they're going to light up a fire and roast some fish and eat some bread. And, and uh, in, in the midst of this particular day, uh, Jesus asked the disciples questions. Hey, who are men saying that I, the son of man, am? You get that right. He didn't say, who are they saying that I, the son of God, am? He said, who are they saying that I, the son of man, the son of Joseph and Mary, who are they saying that I am? And, and, and you know, the disciples go through, give all their answers. And then Jesus pauses and he says, yeah, but what do you say about that? Who do you say that I, the son of man, am? And immediately, you know the story, Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. You're the Christ. And immediately Jesus says this, and he says, verse 18, he says, and I tell you, you are Peter. I think that's pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool. Jesus said, okay, you stuck your finger and pointed at me and said, I'm the Christ. I'm sticking my finger at you, and I'm saying, you're Peter. And upon this revelation or this rock, he said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, I could take the next 17 minutes and preach this one verse because it's so powerful. Jesus says, Peter, you're Peter. Don't forget it. But understand this. What you just spoke wasn't a Peter thing. It was a revelation thing. You didn't get that by being Peter. You got that from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has revealed you. And upon that same revealing or revelation, he said, I'm going to build my church. And listen here. Look up here. He said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. My church is going to be powerful. My church is going to be mighty. My church is going to be strong. My church is going to be without spot or wrinkle. And one day, the Father is going to let me come back and retrieve my church. And hear me, church of 2019. Cultural changes that have come from our society have affected the church. And now the church looks and sounds more like the world than what Jesus Christ died on the cross for. What we want to find out over these next three weeks is what did God's idea about the church have to do with us, who we are, where we are, what we're doing, what we're called to, what our purpose is, what the plan of the church is, why the church, what's the necessity of the church, and can I, can I just pay my tithe and be right with you, God? Do I seriously have to go hang out with people every single week? We're going to find out. Because you know what? Too many of us have been robbed by the enemy of the greater purpose of God. We're moved by our culture. We're we're moved by our society. I I said in the first service this morning, many uh, uh, today, even in this church right here, the Rock of Gainesville, man, when you first started coming, you were were just barely graduating from college. You were broke. You didn't have anything. I performed, you know, almost 300 weddings in here over the last 31 and a half years, and people got married, and and they started being faithful with a little, and God began to bless them. Then he blessed them more. Then they were faithful, and God blessed them. And all of a 
sudden, we got all these amazing families in here today that have way more than they ever thought or dreamed that they could have. But the problem has been is in the midst of all of that blessing, we started thinking that we have rights that we don't have. We have the right to take our family and be out of church every other weekend. We have a right to, have a, a, to own a chalet in the mountains and a beach house at the beach and, 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 and annual 12 visits a year to Disney World and Mickey Mouse. And, and then we wonder why our children are messed up and they see church as an option and not as who we are. Why church? Because it's God's idea. What is the purpose of the church it's to, it, it, it's to be the expression of God on the earth. Yes. Yes. Right. This building is not the church. Right. You didn't come to a building church, a church building. You came to meet with a church that has the joy of meeting in a building. Right. Come on, somebody, right. with air conditioning in March. Hallelujah. <laughs> with air conditioning, indoor plumbing, toilets. Toilets with toilet lids. Come on, somebody. I just got home from Cuba. I thank God. Every time I look at a toilet seat, I just want to say, thank you, Jesus. I mean, we have so much, but this building. This week, I came by the building. It was dark. It was early. Nobody's here. Came in. The place was locked, shut down tight. I was hoping that my FOD work couldn't remember if I needed a, a code. I didn't know if the alarm was going to start going off. I'm just the pastor here. I don't know everything, you know. So, so I come in, and, and I come into the building. It's pitch black in here. Not a light on except the exits. And uh, so I peeked in and said, God, are you in here? He didn't answer. And then I came on into the building, and I turned the lights on, and I began to worship the Lord a little bit, and all of a sudden, God's in the house. God's not hanging out in this building. 2818 or 2918, I don't even know our address. 20-something, what is it? 29918. We've only been here for 27 years. 9818, Southwest 24. God's not hanging out here. When you and I got here this morning, God showed up. His presence filled this place. We came in here this morning. Worship team was practicing 7.30, quarter to 8. Man, music's blaring. We're worshiping. We're practicing. We're getting everything ready. We're getting chairs straight. And, and you're offering envelopes in them and your announcements. And, and, and the whole time people are walking up and down aisles. They're praying over every chair. They're inviting the presence of God. And at 9.10, when we started music, man, God was already in the house. He's waiting to receive our praise and our worship. His presence is among us. He's here to heal. He's here to deliver. He's here here to save. He's here to encourage. He's here to strengthen. Why? Because this is his house when we show up. You stay away and the church is together, but you're not. And I'm not here today to put condemnation on anybody. Understand this. If you have any condemnation over these next three weeks, it's coming from your own heart. It's not coming from me, Pastor Ron, or the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because Holy Spirit never condemns. Holy Spirit brings conviction to get us back on the straight and narrow. We just finished a four-week series on staying in your lane, running your lane, knowing where your lane is, living in your lane, getting in the middle of your lane. And the reality of it is, as we do that, as we hunger for God, man, his presence fills us, his presence comes into our lives, and he helps us to become the church that one day, soon, I believe, he's going to come back and receive. A bride without spot or wrinkle. 
a people that are no longer culturally moved by our society, but all of a sudden we're going to get back to the Word of God, find out what the Word of God has to say, and wherever we're off course, we're saying, God, we're going to be obedient even if it hurts. Why? Because only obedience produces blessing. Only obedience produces life. We, you see, in our society today, man, we, wanna, we, wanna, we want everything. We, wanna, we don't want to be black or white anymore. We want everything to be gray. Yeah. I want to love God and still be able to sleep with my girlfriend. Yeah. It's okay to sleep with your girlfriend as long as she's your wife. Right. Right. Well. Come on, somebody. Yeah. We, 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 we want heaven, but we want it on our terms. And I'm fearful that in America, some of our preachers are going to have to stand before God one day and give an account why the vast majority of the people in their house are not hearing, well done, thou good and faithful, enter in. They're hearing, depart from me because I don't know you. But, but, but I went to church 53 weeks out of the year. It's not about how many times you do anything. It's about where's your heart? If your heart hungers and thirsts, man, you're going you're gonna to want to say, God, whatever you want to do, I can no longer afford to allow society to be the determining factor on how I know you. Amen. There's only one way you need to know God. Get in his word and his word will get in you. I got to move on. You are messing with me. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18 through 20. Listen to this. And he, okay, Paul's speaking to the church and he says to the Colossians, he says this concerning Christ. Verse 18, he says, and he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Hear me this morning, church. Everything about our walk with God goes back to the cross. Goes back to Jesus Christ being willing to be obedient even to the cross, willing to die so that you and I who deserve death will get mercy instead. See, we had a debt we could not pay, and he paid a debt he did not owe. My gosh, if there's any other reason to go, why church? That's it. Because we do not belong to ourselves. I don't care what American society and culture and TV tells you. If you are saved, you no longer belong to you. You don't belong to you. That whole I will, I, 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 me, 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 I, me, 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 I want to do this. Well, just, you know, if you don't belong to yourself, so you got to ask for blessing and covering, then if I say, Lord, is that okay with you if I miss 26 weeks this year, you know, just to enjoy my flesh? I mean, are we even willing to ask the question, God, what's the best you have for me? The best is obedience that produces life. Oh, it's getting really quiet in here, but don't worry, y'all are still much louder than the first service this morning. So uh, let me just go on to number two, because I got a feeling you might get a little quieter. Uh, Number two, God gave his son to establish his church. God gave his son. Now, you know this particular scripture, John 3, 16, 17, and 18. Listen to this. For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to what? To condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. 
But whoever does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So, so the Lord's saying here that condemnation comes when we begin to harden our heart to truth and we just want to start doing things our way. But because God loves you and I so much, and you've heard me preach this so many times, I love the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because conviction is going to keep me saved. Paul said, walk out your salvation. Work out your salvation. Walk to start the process. And as you do, whenever you mess up, God loves you so much that he's not going to let you just continue to walk messed up. He's going to bring conviction, not condemnation. There's two huge differences. Condemnation comes and it beats you up. You're worthless. You're never going to be anything. You're not going to be able to walk this out. And conviction comes and Holy Spirit says, I love you so much. You know, do you really want this in your life? Let, let, and all of a sudden, man, you begin to go, man, I need to get this thing right. Conviction, conviction in a sense, feels good once you repent. But if you don't, it's going to lead to condemnation because conviction. See, two things are going to happen when conviction comes. You're going to be moved towards God or you got to harden your heart against God. Hear me, parents, and I'm careful in what I'm about to say to you, but, but you got a teenage child that you have brought to church every single week since the day they were born, and man, you just press them in, and you're just pushing, you need Jesus, you need, you need to stop doing that and allow Jesus to be Jesus in your kid's life, and, and Holy Spirit to be Holy Spirit, because what happens, I've seen among teenagers, is when you just continually press them to, to have something, you cannot afford to press them because you can't give them what they need. If anything, you need to get on your face, start crying out, God, have mercy on my child. Have mercy on my child. My child needs a revelation of Christ. Because see what's going to happen if they're not convicted to Christ, they got to harden their heart because they don't like the way they feel when conviction comes. Anybody besides myself get saved like 77 times when you were a teenager, man? It just, it's, like, it's like every time you heard Holy Spirit, you'd run to the altar and cry, but you just couldn't live Monday through Friday because I had no word in me. You understand that? When there's no word, then there's nothing that's going to bring conviction when you mess up. But when you get the word in you, then when, when all of a sudden you're, you're heading down this path and you're looking at something you ought not to look at, immediately Holy Spirit's bringing conviction in your life and going, you know, do you really want the, the consequences of that choice? Oh my gosh, no, Lord, I don't want that. I want the benefit of saying, Lord, that's not me. That's not my heart. That's not my desire. Man, I, I, I really want you, God. I want you more than I want. Yeah, my flesh wants this. That's why I'm tempted. Come on, somebody. You can't be tempted by something you're not tempted by, something you don't love, something you don't want. But, but, but all of a sudden when you go, but that's not God. I want God. And I'm willing to pursue that more than anything else. Number three, Jesus was willing and obedient even to the point of the cross. Why? So you and I could become sons and daughters to our Father. Listen to this, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. Looking to Jesus. Man, just say that out loud. Looking to Jesus. Say it one more time out loud. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Hear me. Never have I once yet 
been obedient to the point of the cross. You know why? Because I've never been required. Jesus already accomplished that. I can't do what Jesus already did. But what I can do is be obedient to the point of where all of a sudden now it's going to cost me something. And in that obedience, in that willingness to be obedient, there is a grace immediately released in your life when you say yes to God and no to your flesh. There's an immediate grace. You don't have to pray about it. Some people spend so much time praying over stuff that's just a waste of your time. You're either going to walk it or you're not going to walk it. His grace is there. For what? To walk? To run after God? His grace is there. But if you choose not to want the grace, then you can pray yourself silly. You're still going to be fighting the same devils. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, help me, help me, help me. I'm so tired of giving in to this. No, you're not. When you're really tired of giving in to it, then you're going to run after God. You're going to run after God. Why? Because once you start running after God, the devil's going to flee you. He's going to flee. The word says it. It has to happen. Number four, Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead so that he could establish his church. Verse 44 through verse 49 of Luke chapter 24. I'm going to not read this for the sake of time, but I want to encourage you. Go today, sometime today, and read Luke's gospel, chapter 23 and 24. It's so powerful. It's Luke's account of Jesus going to the cross, the, the pain, the, 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 the sorrow, the, 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 the intense affliction that his body went through, the crown on his head, the, 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 the nails in his hands and his feet, the piercing of his side. The, the, the word says that the pain was so intense that the face of Jesus was not even recognizable. It was so intense, the pain, that you could not even recognize Jesus. He could have called for thousands of angels to come and remove him. But you see, he had already settled that thing with the Father. Nevertheless, Father, your will be done. And he hung on that cross in horrible pain so you and I would never have to go to it. He paid a price so that his church could be established so that the plans of God would be uh, um, w- would come forth and accomplish what they had intended for the Father from the very beginning. See, Jesus was always the answer. Jesus was always the answer. Jesus was always going to come and redeem mankind. And so in Jesus' coming, he began the fulfillment of what the Father's heart was, and that was the idea of the church. Jesus is coming back for a church without spot and wrinkle. Jesus is coming back for one church, not the Rock, not First Baptist, not the Methodist, not the Assemblies of God, not the Lutheran, not the Catholic. He's coming back for his church. And we, the people of God that meet under the umbrella or the name or the family of the Rock, are a part of the whole body of Christ or we're no part at all. We're not better or worse than any other part. Every part in this body has a, has a purpose. The finger, the fingernails, the liver, the lungs, the bronchial tubes, the heart, the eyes, the ears, the throat, the little hair in your ears. Did y'all even know y'all had hair in your ears? That's why you got to be careful with those Q-tips, man, just ripping all that hair out. You're ripping out something God placed in there for a purpose. To help with your hearing when you get older. I said to help with your hearing when you get older. (laughs) Every part. 
has its part. When we were worshiping this morning, I leaned over to my beautiful wife when we were singing that song. Your breath in my lungs lets me praise. And I realized because what Mr. Bob's going through right now, I thought once again I'm reminded of how valuable breath is. God's breath. Man, I don't want to wait till I can't before I want to. I don't want to wait till something bad happens in my life and I want to worship God and now I can't because I have no breath to do it. Man, I want to be a worshiper. I want to be a lover of truth. I want to find out what my part in the body of Christ is right here at the Rock of Gainesville. Number five, and I close, at the appointed time, Jesus ascended back to the Father in heaven. And I want to read you a few verses out of Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to begin with verse 1. Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, and he says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Who's he talking about here? He's talking about the church, talking about the bride of Christ. He's talking about the body. And he's just given some exhortation on how we treat one another in the body. Bearing with one another in love, verse 3, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Because there is one body, verse 4, and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he, meaning Christ, ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fulfill all things. And in his ascension, verse 11, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Say grow up. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, Christ Jesus, from whom the whole body joined and knitted, held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Wow. Ephesians chapter 4 is a, is a beautiful explanation that Paul writes that when Jesus ascended back to the right hand of the Father in his ascension, this is what happened. He turned and he left the gift that he was. You see, Jesus was fully apostle. He was fully prophet. He was fully pastor. He was fully evangelist and he was fully teacher. And his, in his ascension back to the right hand of the Father, he turns and he says, but I'm leaving you all my gifts. And those gifts that the body of Christ desperately needs is given so that the body of Christ can grow up and mature be unified in our faith and fulfill the very purposes that God has for us as a church. But to do that, and I close, to do that, we got to reject our society's 
cultural changes that they have promoted and brought into the house of God and say, whatever the church is to be, I want to find my part and line up and be that. I no longer want to just culturally accept what the world is now saying the church should have freedom in. Because he whom the sudden set free is free indeed. Free to walk fully in the fullness. Free to become the church. See, I believe in our day, I, I'm believing God's going to let me live long enough to see the fulfillment of this teaching brought to pass in America. Will it take intense persecution? Will it take laws against the church? Will it, will it take some major attack against the body of Christ? Whatever Whatever God allows, it's going to be for one reason. Because he's looking for a bride without spot or wrinkle. He's looking for his church to be willing to say, like a bride who's getting ready for a husband. I've done over 300 weddings. I have watched young brides get ready for their bridegroom. I've watched their parents go into bankruptcy to provide weddings. I, 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 I have watched them nervously chattering about, trying to make sure that the day is perfect, the dress is perfect, the preparation is perfect, everything is perfect. So that moment when those doors open and the bridegroom anxiously awaiting his bride, She's not coming down there, just coming from the dentist with the front tooth missing. Just threw on some old anything. I hadn't shaved her legs in a week. Lost her deodorant a month ago, can't find it. Even her dad's leaning over a couple of steps. I mean, I have never, ever been apart where the bride was not looking like the most beautiful person in the house a bride that took serious her bridegroom God help the church get serious about being the bride help us get serious with what's it going to be what's it going to take what I got to do what's my part what do, what do I have to do that nobody else in this room can do this is my part I don't care what culture says. I don't care what my society says. I don't care what my flesh says. I don't care what all my rich friends in church say when they're wanting me to go, go, go with them. Always away instead of always for. See, we got, we got to get the bride mindset in the body of Christ. That's good right here. I didn't preach this in first service. Y'all just call up all your first service people and say, y'all missed it by not coming second service. No, don't do that. I'm kidding. We got to prepare ourselves. And I don't want to miss. I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to not be ready when Jesus is ready for his bride. God, whatever it takes. Let me pray for you. Bow your head. Father, I thank you for every believer in this room right here, right now. Every one of us that have been blood washed, blood bought by the precious blood that Jesus Christ shed on Calvary for our benefit. 
to save us, redeem us, deliver us, heal us, and set us free. Thank you, Father. The church is your idea. Church is your thoughts. And you've not called us to be something you haven't graced us to be. Forgive us for looking and sounding and smelling and acting too much like the world today that we don't look like the church that Jesus died for. Help us. We don't want to miss you, Father. We acknowledge, man, we, 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 have, we have given over to the flesh. We've given over to our own desires. We've given up over to some of our own wants because we feel like we worked hard and deserved it and had nothing for so long. Now I got and I can go and I just want to go and experience. And yet, God, you have something sweeter and better and greater for us. Help us. Pray that you would help every believer in this place just have the heart of the bride and say what do I need to do Father to prepare for the bridegroom who's going to come one day and I believe he's going to come for me I pray for us as a church help us not judge ourselves on any other church any other affiliation any other movement Help us to say, Father, begin with judgment and righteousness in this house, in our house. Begin with us. Where we need conviction, bring it. We will receive it and walk in it. Help us to find the joy of being a part of the bride of Christ, the church that is alive and bright and strong and moving across the, the, the face of the, of the earth today, the church that's growing, the church that's touching, the church that's saving, the church that's reaching out, the church that's going beyond its own borders because they know their place. We want to be a part of that church. We want to be that church, Father. We want to, we want to not miss out for our own sake and our own desires. Help us, I pray. Give you thanks for that. That in this place, I know that there are many, many, many hundreds that have an ear to hear today, and today they're saying, Lord, where I need your conviction, I'm open to it right here and right now. Change me, move me, work in me, cleanse in me that which will produce life. With every head bowed, believers, will you just pray right now for just a moment? I want to speak to those of you in this room that you, you, you don't know really about the church. You've never been a part of the church, not a building or a people. Uh, you never surrendered your life fully to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you today, God brought you here today to tell you that you are his idea. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. He has a future for your life. He has a hope for your life. And all it's going to take is for you to once and for all surrender your life and say, God, be, be my Savior through your son, Jesus. I can't save myself. God loves you. And you have always been God's plan for the earth. You have always been God's specific plan for 2019. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. You are the love of the Father. And He has so much for you. He's just waiting for you to receive Him, His love, and your marching orders to be about making the rest of your life greater than you could ever imagine or think. Believers are praying for you. 
Maybe you're watching online right now. I cannot see if you raise your hand. But if right now, this convicting word is coming into your heart, you pray this prayer with us that I'm about to lead. And for those of you that are in this place, every head is bowed. If you would just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me today. I'm ready to surrender to Jesus Christ right here, right now in my life. I'm ready for God. If that's you, lift up your hand. Hold it. Let me see it. Let me lead you in a prayer with these others that are going to be via online or in this place. You're ready. Yes, God bless you, my dear. God bless you. Yes, God bless you, dear. This is your moment. This is your opportunity. Yes, my dear, God bless you. You can put it down once I see it. Thank you so much, your precious children. You want to, you want, I know, man, this is, this is, the, the line's been drawn in the sand. You're at, a, you're at a why in your life, and Jesus is saying, I'm here now for you. All you got to do is by faith, invite me into your heart. He's ready. He loves you so much. Anyone want to join these others that have lifted their hand right now before? I don't want to miss out. I don't want to. I, I know it's difficult, but it's the greatest decision you ever make in your life. All right, I'm going to invite the whole congregation. Pray this prayer with me. Pray it out loud. Those of you that raised your hand, maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you wanted to. Pray this prayer out loud. You can do that public thing at another time. Pray this prayer with me right now. Father God, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. Today, I acknowledge that I need a Savior. I cannot save myself. So, Father, thank you for loving me first and giving me your son, Jesus, who was willing to come and to die on the cross for my personal sins. Jesus, I invite you right here, right now, come into my life. I surrender everything about me to you. And I choose this day that I want to serve you and walk with you and to fulfill your plan for my life, all the days of my life. Today, Father, I choose Jesus. Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. I pray this. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise this morning for, for those that have made this decision and choice. Thank you for listening to this message from The Rock of Gainesville. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org.